You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. We're talking about life on life's terms. We're talking about emotional agility and sobriety. I'm on with Recovered Life contributor, Shauna McKinnavick. How you doing, Shauna? I'm great. Thanks, Damon. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Welcome back. We've had a quick break on the Recovered Life Show, our little annual summer break that we have. It's so good to have you back on the show. So good to talk about this topic, topic life on life's terms. Wow, that's a big one. That that, that That's a big one in, in sobriety, right? It is a big one because everybody says your life gets so much better when you're sober. And it does. And you've heard me on many podcasts, Damon, say, you know, I have a great life, right? But that's because we run out of time and I can't tell you all the challenges that come along and how I, I deal with them. But I don't I don't focus on them. They, they I don't catastrophize and say, oh, this and this happened and this happened and this happened because I take life on life's terms and I show up and respond to the different situations in my life. But, you know, life is pretty great sober. You know, let's talk about what is life on life's terms, because I think there's sometimes a confusion about that. A lot of people think, well, I just have to accept everything that's going on in my life and I can't make any changes. It's just, you know, it's this is just the way that it is. That's not totally it. Let's really kind of dive down. What is life on life's terms actually mean? Well, to me, Damon, it means taking the good with the bad, accepting the things that are coming along. But we don't just sit and allow life to happen to us. We go out, we do things, we take action, we leave the results. For me, I leave the results in God's hands, my higher power's hands, because I can't control results. But I can show up when things happen and respond appropriately. Uh, So life on life's terms, we're going to have hiccups that happen to us during the day. You know, there are days little things like this, where I drop stuff and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just keep dropping stuff over and over and then spilling and dropping and spilling and dropping. And usually what's that? It's an indicator of not that my life is falling apart, but maybe I'm doing too much too quickly. I have to stop and assess and go, hey, what's doing, you know, what's going on here? Did I not take enough time and quiet time this morning that my brain is moving too fast, faster than my hands are? Um, you know, that's something real small. And then you have the bigger things that happen. And, um, well, we'll touch on a couple of the big things that have happened to me in sobriety that I've just, I have accepted that they've happened, but I haven't wallowed in them. And I've addressed them and done what I have to do and then learn from them as well, or try to seek out what maybe I was supposed to be taught through them. You know, I think one of the things with life on life's terms that really that I remember one of the first things was acceptance. You 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 talked about that a lot. This whole idea of acceptance of not necessarily agreeing with everything that's happening to you or not really even necessarily because I was a big action person. Like I wanted things to change. Right. And I think that's fine. Like if you're in a situation that's, you know, not so good. Uh, maybe financially, maybe your living situation is not so good. Maybe you're drinking all the time, right? You want that mm-hmm. to change. There's nothing wrong with that. 
it's the inability to look at where you're at and be honest with yourself, right? I, I, I think that is the whole thing. And fighting against the reality of life, I think that's so common for people in recovery, especially early recovery, is just not having this acceptance of where they're at here and now. Well, that's, you know, that is something to think about just, you know, that that gives me a bit of pause because when I think back to real early recovery and, you know, how do you get to that acceptance place? Acceptance is a tough one, Damon. It can't be in a vacuum. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm sober now and I accept the way my life is. There has to be some spiritual dimension to it. Um, if you look at the dimensions of wellness, when we're in recovery, whatever program that you've chosen, for me, it's the 12 steps. Um, but you you address, you know, in overall recovery, you're addressing your physical, your emotional, your spiritual, your intellectual. You're healing on all these different um, dimensions in your life. And so things are going to get better. They have to get better. You're not putting toxins into your body and tearing yourself down. You're building yourself up. You're nourishing yourself. Um, you're trying to improve um, how you think about things, how you go about things. Now, on a spiritual basis, for, for me, it's that, you know, my higher power, God has a plan for my life. And I, I accept that when things happen, I don't say, well, God made this happen or God allowed this to happen. I just say, yeah, things happen because that is life. That is accepting life on life's terms. So back to, you know, thinking about how to, how to accept life on life's terms. I just don't think you can do it in a vacuum. I think you have to have some sort of spiritual dimension for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. I think, you know, why is this so tough? You know, it, it's interesting. When I think back, it's like, I, I think about it now, all the things that I was, was very hard to accept for me, you know, and one of them I have to tell you was being an alcoholic, you know, mm -hmm. accepting, yeah. I knew I was an alcoholic, thank God, right? Like I'd accepted the fact that, yes, I'm an alcoholic, but the fact that God dealt me that hand, I felt I had a lot of resentment against that at the very beginning. Like, why me? You know what I'm talking about? The whole why me thing. And I think this is a very common, but I do find that like, you know, they always, I always heard these sayings, you know, when, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I find it much easier for people that are in recovery than people mm -hmm. that are early in recovery. Like, you know, I hate to use the word normies, but people who don't have addiction problems don't seem to, they seem to be able to take things a lot of times easier that come up to the handle them than people in early recovery. Very, very tough sometimes. And I know I railed against facts, you know, certain facts. This is where I'm at in my life right now. This is what's going Like it was just unacceptable to me right. until life kind of beat me down enough that I had to learn how to accept them or drink again. Yeah, you man, you brought up a lot of talking points there. We could go so many different directions with that. Um, you know, first to address what you said that why me, right? Why me? As an interventionist, I work with people who are in the thick of it. It reminds me of being back at that place. I knew I was an alcoholic from very early age. I knew I um it came to me through genetics, um definitely and just that it was my path. So I didn't 
personally have a hard time accepting that I was. I had a hard time accepting that I was going to have to make a decision to not drink again and seek the solution. Uh, but I see that with a lot of people. And if you stick in the why me, if you get stuck in the why me and the self-pity, and that's not something you've addressed, then when things do happen in early recovery or later on in recovery, and you're ending up on the, why is this happening to me? Why is this and this and this and this? And you're mired down in self-pity. That is just, you know, that that could easily make you drink again, because that's what, at least in the 12 steps, you know, that we want to be free from self-pity, selfishness, self-centeredness. And when we focus so much on this, why me, not maybe what can I learn from this situation? Or what action should I take right now that I can control? Yes, I love that. I love that. You know, I th I find that a lot of the times in recovery, and I'm sure like as an interventionist, you deal with this a lot where people are in crisis and this overwhelming feeling that they can't be in their skin, that something has to drastically change, right? So this ability... I also believe in life and life's terms is to be able to stay where you're at, even if you're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people, it's they run, right? Or they fight. Sometimes just right. to be able, like what I learned is to be able to stay neutral is so important, you know, at least so that I can decipher what's going on. Because a lot of the times I find that one of the one of the byproducts of alcoholism and whether we have this before we start drinking, mm -hmm. right, or not, is this thinking problem of being able to interpret actually what's going on and how we fit into it. And that takes time in recovery. I know you deal with this a lot in recovery. We were just talking about some stuff that's going on with your life. And it's like a bunch of stuff happened at one time and your ability to be able to kind of stay neutral and to kind of see what's going to happen and to let it kind of work itself out. Not that you don't have feelings about what's going on in the moment, right? You, we're That's human, sure. right? But but there's not these massive reactions mm -hmm. that we had when we were out there drinking or first got sober. Right. And this builds on what we spoke about the last time, the spiritual dimension of recovery. How, how do you stay neutral? Well, it's nearly impossible to stay neutral if you're not taking the time to pray or meditate or do yoga or get in touch with your higher power or God or build your relationship with God. Building in that pause in the morning to, um, you know, ground yourself and start your day on a spiritual um, on a spiritual plane then you're that's how i mean at least that's how i can stay neutral my ability to be serene and not to have the extreme ups and downs and ups and downs and to be able to kind of move through life like this is directly proportional to the amount of time i invest in my spiritual life whether it be you know an hour and a half in prayer and meditation in the morning or like today getting up at 2:30 thank you to my dogs and not going to bed i don't complain about it anymore. I just say, wow, I get two hours or two and a half hours to meditate now. And I listen to guided meditations and that, you know, carries me through the day. I, because there's not too, too much else you can do between two thirty and five. Uh, so, you know, and I see it as an opportunity to 
to get myself grounded and balanced so that when these challenging situations come along, I can respond and not react. Yeah. And I think this is a learning thing. I think when we're talking about, you know, you were talking, you use that word agility, right? Before agility. And I think this is really the magic of emotional sobriety. We're talking about it is the ability to have this agility to look at things, right? Sean, like, because in a, in a different way, you know, uh, a friend of the show who's been on several times, my buddy, George Schneider, always told me, you know, I remember I was having a really rough time and I just, I'm somebody who needs to find a solution to things, you know, always like, I'm just kind of geared that way. I want to find a solution. I want to, I want to fix it. Right. Like, and I could not fix this issue. I was so frustrated. And he said, you know, Damon, sometimes a problem without a solution is called a fact. And that's an acceptance issue, right? Like, you know, and that was that, you know, I, I know that sounds crazy, but that like blew my mind. I was like, you know what? You're right. This is a fact. This isn't a change issue. This is an exception issue, right? Like I've got to accept this. Like, you know, we find this a lot in recovery. It's like you realize in recovery that some people are difficult. Some people oh, you're never sure. really going to have peace with, right? So, right. you know, whether that's an employer or a friend or whatever, so some things are just difficult. So I like that about the fact that, you know, we can't change it. We can't find a solution right there in the moment or maybe ever. And we have to learn to be able to sit with that and sit in the uncomfortable and to be able to embrace that pause. We, our minds go a million miles a minute. I know yours does and mine does. We tend to speak as quickly uh, as well. And we've shared that before with, you know, with ADHD and you just go, go, go. But to be able to be comfortable in the pause and to be able to sit in the uncomfortable. And I liked what you said about, um, you know, we don't have to feel great about it. We can have bad feelings about something that happened. And I'll just give you a quick example. Last summer or last spring, not this past spring, a year ago, I was out doing some work on our property, pulling some weeds and doing things. And a tree fell and hit me over the head. And I had just launched my business. I was so busy. I was doing a ton of things. I was had so much to do. I was go, go, go. I just had wrist surgery a week before. And there I was out doing all this work. And then a tree hits me on the head. The ambulance comes. I pass out. I get 17 staples in my head. You know, and I was angry. I was so angry. And I just kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to do any harm to anybody else. I was just angry about the situation because I don't like to actually sit in the pause. I don't like to sit. And I was so angry, Damon. I didn't even speak for a week. Like I just texted. I texted my sponsor. I said, I know I'm not supposed to be angry. And she's like, you can be angry. You can be angry. Just don't stay there forever. Um, but we have, you know, we have these emotions about it. And what I did is I saw it as a spiritual time. You know, what was I supposed to learn from this? And what I did learn and what I heard God say to me, not like out loud, but just through meditation and journaling and things was I was doing too much. I needed to slow down. I was really trying to run the show. So I'm not saying God, well, okay. Metaphorically, I feel like God hit me over the head with a tree to say, slow down and um, listen. 
And, uh, but that's not why things happen. Things just happen. I looked for the meaning in it, but it took me a while to get there. And once I, I got there and that's acceptance, right? That's acceptance. Damon is saying, okay, well, I don't know why this happened. It just happened, but what can I learn from it? What can I take from it? And maybe, you know, where, where does it fit into my life right now? And it, it was miraculous, not I did not miraculous healing. I still had, you know, challenges with my brain for a very long time after that. I had a, you know, the concussion. And um, but I was able to reroute on some personal issues that were going on in my life. And I could reroute at that time and really take the time to look at them, assess them, address them, and take the action that I could have. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been forced to stay in a dark room for two weeks. I can promise you that because I never sit still. You can see I'm sitting here talking. Sit up, lean back, sit up, lean back. I just, I don't sit still. This is, okay, I think this is, I think you've really tapped on it uh, because, Shauna, I think you've really kind of gotten to the secret here of a lot of emotional sobriety is this be the interpreter changing within us, right? Like, so one of the big shifts that I had to do in my life and very early on, because I don't think I would have stayed sober if mm-hmm. I didn't pursue this shift. And, and I'm always in this shift, by the way, it's never, I've never perfected this. I'm, I'm, it's always something I'm always working on was the ability to be able to take life as it comes Mm -hmm. and to rewrite the script of what that meant to me. So for example, oh, I didn't get the job. I didn't get the, I didn't get what I, what I thought I needed or wanted. Or wanted, right. Right. Right? And many times it was wanted. I always ended up getting Mm -hmm. what I needed. Typically that's been my experience, but I didn't get what I thought I should have gotten, right? Needed, right. Or wanted. And what ends up happening is the blessing actually and the maturity and the growth and the actual even physical things and emotional things came out of that so-called perceived setback. So the ability to rewire the way that I was thinking about my life to start looking at everything that came to me in life and life's terms as the ability to be able to do something that I would not have been able to do a gift that I would, that, you know, we were talking about cars and car accidents and the economy, how, t- how it's tough now it's tougher than it was right. Mm-hmm. For a lot yeah. of people, you know, three to four years ago, that this is an opportunity for me to be able to do something that I never would have been able to do. And I'm going to tell you the first big one, Shauna, for me was, Alcohol, being an alcoholic, I, I I see that as a massive gift, not alcoholism necessarily, right? But the but the process of me being able to go through that and recover, and then really be able to touch a lot of different people along the way mm-hmm. and help them get it right, like that never would have happened if no. I didn't if I wasn't an alcoholic. Oh, I completely agree. You know, people say. That, that it's crazy when they hear others say, I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. And I'm like, oh, it's not crazy to me at all. I am totally grateful that I had this because it has given me the tools um, to live life on life's terms, to, um, to have this 
life that's on a, it's a totally different experience. It's given me better relationships. It's given me better perspective. It's given me a higher sense of, um, you know, loving others and being selfless and what it really means to be selfless versus self-centered and selfish and always driving for my own, seeking first to understand, um, putting others before myself. And I thought I did all those things before, but being in recovery has opened my eyes and has helped me to learn to show up differently, show up with grace, dignity. You know what? Show up as my authentic self. I'm not hiding things. I am not. I am being just me. And you can take it or leave it. I mean, some people can't take me and that is okay, but I'm not going to change who I am. Right. So yeah. I accept where I am in life. I accept and I'm grateful for for my the gift of alcoholism in my in my life because I wouldn't have the life that I have today and I feel that for me it is such a richer richer life having gone through those challenges. Well, you know, one of the things that I, you know, when we were thinking about doing this episode, we were talking about it. One of the things I, I you know, I always think back when we do these episodes. I, I think back on my life and say, okay, like, well, where did this pop up in my life? You know, and the ability to start looking at things as opportunities was was huge, right? The understanding mm -hmm. to, to be able to differentiate these facts that we're talking about. Yeah, this is a fact. I'm not going to play for the NBA. I'm not, you know, eight feet tall, right? right. Like I'm six two, but that's not tall. Like you know, like there were certain facts that I had to do with my life. Not that I wanted to play for the NBA, but like there were certain facts that I had to just accept. Yes, I'm in this place because of alcohol, and mm -hmm. you know my addiction to it, and like. And it's not the best place right now. Yes. And I need to get out. You know, I need to do this. How, if people are listening to this, Shauna, how do they start this? Because I think the hardest part on life on life's terms is the first olive out of the jar, right? Like this ability to, this ability to uh, deny about where you're at Mm -hmm. And what you need to do when you're how do you start this? Because it seems so overwhelming for people who are kind of starting this journey. What what do you advise people that you're coaching to do if they're struggling with this issue? So, you know, dig deep. You everyone has gone through things and survived. Okay. We're we're uh we are we've all survived the pandemic. Okay, we've all survived all the challenges of the past few years. So we have inner strength. So when I'm coaching someone, I'll get them to dig back in their life to see that they can do it. And one of the things that, you know, back to where we were saying, why me, why me? You know, changing it to why not me? Why not me? I have the tools. I have a roof over my head. I have mm -hmm. uh, a husband, a daughter. I have a family, I have food on the table. Why not me? I can figure out, I am sober and I can figure out how to get through this. That, I mean, yeah. that's oversimplifying, but I love why that. not me? I have, I have, I have God's grace that has helped me recover from alcoholism. So why not me? I have this grace that I can tap into figure, to figure this out. Yeah, I love this. And I think, you know, that's a, again, changing this interpreter 
status of what you're actually saying to yourself, right? Like, like, I love that because, you know, I think so many times we don't understand people in recovery, Shauna, in my opinion, are the toughest people out there, especially people who've been able to stay sober, right? Like, because we've had to go through a lot and still stay sober, Yeah. And, you know, it is, we have a lot of strength and we have gone through a lot. And, you know, one of my favorite things about doing these um, segments with you, Damon, is that we have so much to talk about. We always say, oh, we're only going to go 15, 17 minutes. And then before you know it, we're, we're again, solving the problems of the world. It's just so great to be able to talk about this on a spiritual level, on a recovery level. And, you know, you did make the point that people who aren't alcoholics um, may not have the challenges that we have when things happen. But then there are a ton of people who say, why me? Who say, well, this happened and this happened. I feel like this is chaos and they have no direction and they have, they catastrophize like my life is falling apart. No, your life is not falling apart. Three things just happen in a row, but it, it you don't have to catastrophize. So that's, you know, what I, when I'm working with people who don't have a recovery program and who may not have an addiction, we, you know, just through the life coaching side, it's really to take a look at, Are there other issues like deeper issues? I'm not a therapist. I will recommend therapy is a really good place to start for a lot of people. You ask where, where do people start? Well, therapy, finding a good therapist to talk to someone, to talk about some of the things um, that go on is, is a very good thing. We all need to, you know, we go see the doctor when we're sick, just because we're, you know, emotionally not well, doesn't mean we can't go and see a doctor um, to treat our emotional stability. If we're having challenges in our marriage, why not go see someone who deals with um, marriages, you know, just like we would say, you know what, I'm, I'm not feeling well and I'm going to go to the doctor. Uh, so, you know, taking those, that kind of action really makes a difference. So seeing where we can take action um, is, is really important. And yeah, knowing, absolutely. the wisdom yeah. to know if we can take action or not. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, you're talking about therapy, you're talking about coaching. And I think this is one of the blessings of having a really good support system. And we've done a lot mm-hmm. of episodes on the Recovered Life Show about how to do that so you could dig back through them to find out how to actually pick people in your life that mm-hmm. are going to be, that, that are going to be, uh, that are going to help you. And, right. and, and that might not be the people that you think at the very beginning, right? Like, uh, like I always tell people that are in 12 step groups, don't pick the coolest guy, the coolest, right? Like don't pick, right. Find somebody who's been around and has dealt with a lot of stuff and has some sort of emotional sobriety, Right. right? isn't key and triggered and, and and those aren't necessarily on the outside the most coolest people you have to dig in a little bit right and usually those hold mm-hmm. those hold those are the people who hold a lot of value in your support group you know one of the things that i think is interesting you know and to kind of wrap this episode i know we've covered a lot of stuff here but i think it's so important because one of the things is is i think that in recovery we kind of grow up a lot Yes. Right. We do. We, we, grow, we grow, up. grow up. We grow up a lot. We do. We grow up a lot. And one of those things about life and life's terms is this victim thing. And I see this a lot in recovery. This old, you know, I'm a, 
you know, poor alcoholic. And by the grace of God, I'm like, you know, this whole thing. And yes, by the grace of God, we're sober. I agree with that, but we're not victims, right? Like, and, you know, we might have been victimized, but we have to move out of that consciousness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who can't, that I see, especially in 12 step groups, you know, this houses them a lot is that they get into this victim mode that everything mm -hmm. is happening to them. And I think one of the big things, and you know, and I was there at one point, I, I got kind of stuck in that, right? Mm -hmm. I call it church basement thinking. Like I was just kind of stuck. It's like, and one of the, one of a, a great coach and mentor that I had told me and said, you know, you got to stop thinking that it's all about you. You know, things happen in life. It's not all about you. You know, like car crashes happen and people get sick, but it's not about you. You didn't really have anything to do with it. And a lot of that is codependency, is maybe being raised in that and the mm -hmm. ability to be able to let go. And I know there's a lot of people who say, yeah, Damien, you don't understand. Like, I've really been victimized. And, and you know, and I acknowledge you and I'm sure you would as a coach too, just say, acknowledge, yes, you might have been victimized, but to stay in that victim consciousness your whole life, your whole sobriety, it's oh. just going to get you drunk, in my opinion. Like it's going to, and if you That's don't so get drunk, painful. it's going to make you miserable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Painful and miserable. And, you know, one of the quickest ways out when I, when I'm sponsoring women more than on the coaching side, because I can, you know, call them out on their self-pity a little um, better and say, you know, you're in self-pity. Why don't you do something for someone else? Why don't you call someone? Here's another thing. How do you get out of that? Why me or why? Call someone else. See how they're doing. Don't talk about yourself and what's going on with you, but really listen and be there for them and show interest in them. And you'll automatically feel better. Or write a letter to someone, just anyone at an at an um, senior center and just say, you know, who who doesn't get mail? Call them up. Who doesn't get mail? I'd like to write a letter to someone. Just get out of yourself. Do something for someone else. And that is an instant way to feel, to get out of that self-pity. Um, because then we're focused on others and how we can be of service and bring love and light to others. Love that. Even when, uh, things, even when things are going crappy at home, you know, we, we have to take action and find a way out. Shauna, final words here. Final words here. Anybody who's sitting listening to this, having maybe a little bit of trouble life on life terms, final words about that. Uh, just, you know, it's not going to be like this forever. As you develop more resilience and ability to accept life and practice acceptance and, you know, see that you're part of a bigger picture you're going to feel better. It's going to be okay. You're going to get the longer in sobriety. You're going to see that the, you know, your brain is healing, right? So that's part of it too. The longer we're off alcohol, the more our brain heals. Even when you have a concussion, your brain continues to heal after that. So your brain is healing. Your emotions are healing. I mean, this is happening six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient if you're not able to say, you know what, I, I can practice that right away. Be patient. It's going to come. It's going to Love come. It. Love it. Uh, Shauna McKinnivick, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We're going to put links on how you can contact her in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, thanks, Damon. Always great to see you. I'll see you next time. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. 
At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to specially recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.